Welcome to the Gathered Podcast. When we read Jesus' parables, they are clear to us. But if we imagine the time when they were first spoken, we can see why they were a bit confusing. Parables are interesting in that the meaning is clear only when you take in the context, not only of the story, but of when and where and to whom they are being spoken to. There are multiple layers to parables. And so it is with one of Jesus' most recognizable parables, the parable of the prodigal son. This parable, only found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, presents for us the example of a loving father. We see how a son who squandered his wealth was forgiven by his father. And it should be noted that the prodigal asking for his inheritance was tantamount to severing ties with the family, a great disrespect in the ancient world and perhaps today. We then see the consequences of the prodigal son's bad judgment, and we see the wrong attitude of his brother upon the prodigal's return. On the surface, this parable seems like a straightforward story then, but the lessons that it can teach us are numerous. Let's begin with the prodigal son, the younger of the two brothers. We can imagine that he wants to live his life. He is sure in his wisdom and wants to use what he believes is his. This is not a jab at the impertinence of youth, but rather it is a direct attack against stubbornness and pride in one's own knowledge. This false wisdom leads the prodigal to dishonor his father. But I want you to note something interesting. The father acquiesces to the request without much fanfare. Jesus does not belabor this point either. The young man asks for his share and the father gives it. I see this as a direct relationship to how God works with us. God holds none of us by force. If we were to say today to God, I want nothing to do with you, we will not be struck by lightning. God will simply say, okay. We often imagine God is vindictive and ready to strike us. But the Bible shows us here and in other occasions, even in the Old Testament, that God will let us do what we want to do. But the deal is, is that we have to then face the consequences. Romans chapter 1 verse 24. And so the young man, now flush with money, believes himself to be invincible and goes off and parties his money away. Notice that this was not the young prodigal's first intention. But the inherent foolishness led him to see his inheritance not as something to treasure, but as something he was owed and something he could use as he pleases. And perhaps seeing himself with this money in hand, he believed it would never run out. Being the younger of the two in the story, it can be assumed that he did not see the hard work his father had to do to obtain this wealth. But as is the case with everything in life, even now, there are consequences for our actions. So the young man finds himself dealing with the aftermath of what he has chosen to do. In the parable, we can't tell right away if his seeking of forgiveness from his father is sincere. Perhaps the young man first just wanted a way out. But we then see him come to the realization that he could very well be better off at his father's home, even as just a servant. And it is this last point that indicates the repentance was a sincere one. Gone is the foolishness of the young man, the one who believed he could take on the world with his inheritance. Now there is a man willing to humbly beg for forgiveness and restitution, not to the status of son, but to the status of servant. So here is another lesson for us. There is no shame in realizing you were wrong. Shame only exists when you continue in your erroneous ways without recognizing those errors and correcting them. We see this reinforced, for the result of this action by the young man was that his father embraced him, ran to him even, and gave him his sonship back. 
and the actions of the Father show us the true nature of our God. Imagine the people hearing this for the first time. They had been taught that God was angry and vengeful, but here we see a God in this Father filled with relief at the return of the Son he thought he lost. Joel chapter 2 verses 12 through 13. This is driven home by the fact that this story is placed in this triad of people rejoicing at recovering that which was lost. This is the point that Jesus was trying to make. It is never too late to come back home. The point of Jesus' ministry is to reconcile us with God. That is still the point of his ministry today. The final bit of evidence that this is the central point of the story is the end. After the prodigal returns and during the feast celebrating his return, we see the older brother jealous of the father's affection and doting over this son who had wronged his father. And I think this particular part strikes close to home for those of us who have served the Lord for a long time. The older brother complained to his father that he had never received such a banquet and such attention. And in some respect, he is right. It often seems that God rejoices more with the lost than with those who choose to remain righteous. But does it not reveal ill intentions that the brother does not rejoice when his flesh and blood brother returns? We as Christians need not to be like the older brother. We need to rejoice when someone who was lost in the dark ways of this world finds their way back to the light. Righteousness is its own reward, after all. Note the words of the Father. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Our salvation is secure, and so we should be thankful and glad when someone comes back home to Christ. We should join the rejoicing rather than grow angry over what this person is receiving. In this parable, Jesus tackled not only those who were wary of Jesus' ministry to bring in the poor, disenfranchised, and lost, but he also addressed the lost themselves. The message is then twofold. If you are lost, come home. If you are home, rejoice when the lost are found. Thanks for listening. I'm Pastor Elvis, and we'll talk again soon.